Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora. Nō mai haramai ki tō tātou au hurihuri. Hello and welcome to Our Changing World, Ko Claire Kincannon Tēnei. PhD student Kiamaya Ellis describes crayfish as a vulnerable taonga species. Local iwi in Tauranga believe the crayfish population is decreasing because of urban, industrial and harvesting pressures. But Kiamaya is keen to be a part of the solution. So inside the University of Waikato's Coastal Marine Field Station in Tauranga, she's studying the resilience of Pepe Kaura, baby crayfish. She wants to understand how these tiny critters, that take eight years to become an adult, can thrive based on a kaitiakitanga or guardianship approach. Tauranga-based RNZ producer Justine Murray joins Kiamaya at Sulphur Point Marina, which happens to be a good spot to find them. Yeah, so these boulders here are what is constructed under the port wharves and it becomes a really protected habitat for Pepecota to crawl into and hide. So when they're developing their shelva, they're really looking for somewhere dark, quiet and protected. And these types of rocks and crevices are perfect. So we hang our crevice collectors near sites like this. And then you leave them in wait? Yeah, we leave them in there and then come back in a month pull them up, uh, monitor and record all the information and things collected and then take out the PP coder, bring them back to the lab to study and hopefully one day release them back again because they haven't developed their shell they're really vulnerable to predation so predators come along and munch them that's why they look for these places to hide we have 12 sites throughout the harbour and under the port wharves and we pull up each crevice collector, monitor whatever's in there, we record all the other species so we can actually keep an eye on marine biosecurity as well if there's any invasive things in there we'll be able to collect that and take it out of the moana, report it, yeah so it can actually identify any hot spots for marine biosecurity threats around the port as well. So let's meet a few PP coda collected by Kiamai Alice and her team over the past few months. So we collected these, they were just starting to get their hard shell. We usually find them when they don't have any colours and they don't have any shell yet. So they've just come in from a larval stage and ready to settle and grow, grow their shells. When we first bring in the, fir- these, the first two, they, were, they looked really unhappy. There was no algae, no other companionship and the, the tank was very empty because yeah. we hadn't quite set up the habitat in the tank so they, they didn't look happy at all so you can kind of see when they're feeling good about their environment and then this fella over here 
is just sorry you did say it's just him and these two oh, of these them two of them yeah one of them hides at the back but he's come out because he can smell the food I'm actually quite attached to these Pepe Coda because they have such um, char- they're such characters. Um, there's one there that comes out and dances around and plays. So we have a little corridor and <laughs> and I, I feed them mostly shrimp pellets. But the experiment, the first experiment that I'll be running, will be based on the food preferences and best diet for on-growing crayfish to a healthy state. So that one is going to be testing whether kinna are going to be a good on-growing food diet for crayfish on-growing. Um, so we're going to compare that with a mussel diet and also a shrimp, shrimp pellet diet. If we move closer here to the tank... I think they'll be hungry because they haven't had a feed since... I think that was on Sunday. So it's Tuesday <laughs> now. Yeah, so they'll be hungry. This one here looks a bit shy. But there's another one that's probably sitting inside that pipe. One of them hides away and the other one comes out quite happily. And we also have two, these ones are about six to eight months old. We collected them last summer, around September, October. And there's some smaller ones over here on the left that we just collected last week. So they're the real babies over here. Oh my goodness, oh look it's in, how many centimetres would that be? Two? Um, yeah, two if they spanned out from head to tail, two centimetres. So we're also studying the effects of climate change on their shell strength, so that's based on changing ocean acidity levels. So once we have the full range of tanks and more pepicoda to observe, we will be setting different pH levels in the tanks to see how well their shell structure is growing stronger. So with the future forecasted acidity level changing, we want to know if that's going to affect their shell strength, which is their main form of protection in the wild. Yeah. And so the process of collecting the pupicota from the ocean? Uh, we have crevice collectors. When they're in the purulist state, they're looking for homes and somewhere to hide. So we built these crevice collectors for them to um, find refuge in. And um, then we pull those up each month oh. and check what times of year they're recruiting into the harbour. The port of Tauranga vessels are used. Um, without their partnership in this project, we wouldn't be able to mm. do the research in the port zone. And this is where the baby crayfish are hiding. The ones that we are finding now, we're now permitted to bring them in and study them to see what the effects of climate change may be. How long have these pepicota been here at the facility? Um, these ones were just collected last week and the big ones over there were collected around October last summer, last year. That's how long it takes to grow them. They've grown about six centimetres in six months. So it takes around eight years to get to adult size. So Eight years to get to adult size? Yep. So we have an iwi-led approach with um, tangata whenua identifying the decline of coda across the last few decades. And we're looking for a restoration process where we can enhance our wild population again. Mm. 
Yeah, you're lucky to find the crayfish around Tauranga Mona at the moment on this side. Um, Motiti and Tuhu are probably more abundant, but here in Tauranga it's very low. Yeah. And why is that? It's probably more about access to the fishery. Um, a lot of people are harvesting, and if they find a crayfish, of course they're going to take it because it's such a delicacy mm. and, and a rare find these days. Mm. Yeah, there are, are a few harvesters out there that know where they are, but... Um, the port wharves where we're doing the research is um, a protected area where they seem to be able to grow in more abundance because no one's allowed to fish there. And does that matter having those restrictions out in the harbour where in order to save or uh, you know, protect the species is to have that, that type of rahui against getting crayfish? Yeah, rahui, rahui is definitely an option. Um, because our population is already low, there aren't many people actually harvesting, but if they do find them, of course, they'll probably harvest them. But um, there's the opportunity to create Mataito Reserve bylaws. Yes. So when we do our population survey, that'll give us the evidence we need to start informing those decisions. Wow. And how would you do a population survey? Uh, we have a dive team that will go go into the reef areas where coda should be living and count, measure, check whether they're males, females, um, how they're reproducing, yeah. they're in Bury, and all of that information is collected. Alongside Manamataka and Matauranga Māori, the local ecology that they like to live in. So all of these things can um, inform us around what we can do to enhance the population could be habitat enhancement. Um, yeah, so this will help inform all of those things. And Kiamaya, when you say the word harvesting, what, what do you mean by harvesting? Oh, basically diving and collecting them for right. a pie. Right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for the purposes of, of, of eating, mm. yes, right. Yeah, with the Matato Reserve, there's no commercial harvest, so it's all recreational and customary here yeah. in the Matato Reserve. So our Tauranga Iwi Customary Fisheries Trust, which leads this project, um, they have the opportunity to use this information to create bylaws if need be. And so is your ultimate aim to create change? Absolutely. Mm. I want to see the Modi flourishing in, in the environment for these crayfish. I have um, some footage from about 15 years ago where Koda were abundant. Um, all before Verena and the mobile oil spill, there were, there were loads of crayfish just living underneath the port wharves. Um, we haven't seen them like that since, so I'm hoping this project will help bring that Modi back. Kia Maya talks about the Modi. Now this is the life force, the life essence or vitality of all things. So because of climate change and maritime disasters and a number of factors, I ask whether she thinks the Modi has diminished. I believe it has. Um, in some areas it's improving, like the sediment controls in the harbour have improved a lot, like you can see that and mm. even COVID-19 lockdowns helped the fishery because it effectively created the rahui <laughs> that helped the fishery as well. We were just talking about it this morning, this is just a tiny slice of the big picture right so I'm only focused on crayfish for this project and um, the project keeps growing <laughs> <laughs> and, and I suppose what's your why behind this Kiamaya? 
Oh, it's for the moana, really. I love the moana. Um, I've worked with the Customary Fisheries Trust trying to um, develop things to enhance our fishery for a long time. Yeah, just a, a very strong love for the moana and being part of helping to teach our kids to look after and care for our taiao. Kapai, tēnā koe ke mai. Oh, he's still there, eh? This little pepe coat is still yeah. in the corner. Has he, he how might do you be a bit upset because I cleaned out the whole tank the other day. <laughs> and is, is he in there by himself? Uh, he? She, she? I think this is a boy. Okay. Um, we haven't pulled them out to have a good look, um, but the, the females have an extra claw on the back leg and extra uh, plier pods um, around the puku for holding eggs. So we haven't pulled them out and handled them too much to figure that out yet. So when you say, when you look at the, the shell, because it is that form of protection, how would you study that? I'm going to use the malted shell. They malt their shell when they grow out of it. So I'll collect that and then use the electron microscope to measure how much calcium, protein ah. and chitin is in the shell. So that's the physical aspects of coda, but what about the well-being of coda? Well, it starts from the point of crevice collecting. The team head out to the harbour using mātauranga Māori methods. For example, eco-friendly materials such as harakeke or flax, kariao or vines and anga, shells, are used as part of this process. That avoids harmful methods of collection. While the Pepe coda, or baby crayfish, are in their tanks inside the coastal marine field station labs, the team will also assess the modi of the coda by looking at how they adapt to different habitats and cohabitation. Mātauranga Māori forms part of that framework, which will inform the research. Mātauranga Māori, we, we look much further back than the usual marine science baseline, so we're looking for the Mātauranga and knowledge that our people hold and have been passed down from their tupuna and that that will give us a, a really good picture of what our fishery should look like yes. <laughs> and, and that if it's Modi is flourishing um, it, it will have a really good population, good ecology, clean clear water. So Matauranga gives us a, a holistic view and, and looks at the bigger picture so we're not just working in one's specific silo so we're looking at the environment the surroundings the water quality the climate change so there's a, a whole lot of factors that we can incorporate when we're talking Mātauranga Māori. And as part of that is the our kaumatua or elders who were there 60 80 years ago um, so so I understand from your research that you will be including those stories? Absolutely, yeah, that's a really key part of the, the research. It's probably step one where we caught mm. it all with our people. Um, we started this and caught it all with our people, <laughs> talking about the decline of our fishery and what can we do about it. So just leading on from that, trying to seek out our puking of, of the marine environment, our moana experts, and talking to them about what our fishery once looked like, where did Coda previously reside and why aren't they there anymore if they're not there. Um, we did do a survey in 2013, um, Professor Kura Burke actually did that survey with Joe, Joe Burke, and we interviewed 
our Komatua mm. talked about the sites where they should be and found that only half the sites still had crayfish. So, yeah, just following on from that survey, we want to see whether that's changed again and hopefully improve on what's already been done. Me hoki whakamuri, kia anga whakamua. Returning to the past to understand what the future might look like. It's a proverbial saying that means often the answers could lie in the past. So I thought I'd ask Te Kehukehu Butler. He's a former crane operator on the port of Tauranga, a surfer, a diver and a bit of a seafood connoisseur. Raised at Motiti Island, about 16 kilometres northeast of Tauranga, he talks about the intergenerational transmission of knowledge when it comes to gathering seafood. I go back to the time of my grandparents, my grandfather, my grandmother, and I have photos of them, uh, of that generation diving without any diving gear, no glass, snorkel flippers, and they used to just go out not far off the shore and just rummage around under the rocks and they'll always get a feed of crayfish and big crayfish. There was an abundance of crayfish back at that time. The big thing that uh, interfered with all of that was the introduction of um, commercial fishermen. Commercial fishermen would get a license and they would just bombard the whole island all around and you know They'd take all the crayfish and then it made it harder for us to feed the manuhiri at the marae at uh, different occasions at the marae. Um, so when they bombed the island like that, the old people used to have to go out deeper to dive for crayfish because they were scarce inside. So it sort of depleted our pātakakai. And today it's only on very special occasions that you will get a crayfish on the table. Yeah, it's, it's very hard to come by. Mm. And the thing is too, now you have to use um, scuba gear, like uh, bottles for diving, because you have to go out further, you have to dive deeper. So for us as free divers, you know, if we go down and we're fortunate enough to see crayfish there, we might grab one or two and that was it. But this is all about conservation. You know, with the bottles now you can go down there and just raid the whole, the whole bed on the bottom. You know, because you have that long time under underwater. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's a big difference now. I think they I got a nephew that's working with the Dalawa Trust, and they're doing the same thing up there, um, taking care of the freshwater coda, trying to bring it back into the lakes and into the. the the old uh, rivers up that way and they've been monitoring them for about two or three years now yeah so they're slowly bringing them back mm. yeah mm. so i don't know how they're going to improve bringing back crayfish outside though out on the sea because you know tauranga here we've got the port of tauranga which is you know the council or commissioners are looking to extend the port we have dredging here, um, you know, all those things, climate change, you know, nga tini hanga o te huerere, era momo ahuatanga, do you, do you see it as, from the taiao perspective, as having an impact on our kaura, not just from the overfishing? Oh, definitely. Uh, we look at um, whareroa marae. I can remember when we were kids, we used to be able to go out there and, and find scallops. You know, and uh, and and find that the chupai, 
the scallops, and we used to be able to go out there and uh, to kohi kohi uh, tuangi, uh, pipi, wera wera mekato, engari nai nai, kare kite wera mumokai nai nai, wahui tamarai. And it's all to do with industry, you know, that has to have an impact on the sea. Now, I've just, oh, I've recently retired off the port, on the wharf, and we used to do log ships, or they're still doing log ships now. But when you get heavy rain and everything, all the paru and dirt that comes from the logs that are stacked up, they all go into the water, and the water just becomes brown all around the ship. So that has to have an impact. And I know I've dived underneath that, uh, the wharf there, and it's a breeding ground for crayfish. Yes, Kiamai actually says it is. It's a breeding ground for crayfish. At certain times of the year, they come in there and they shelter underneath the port. All around here at uh, Motuho on the other side, uh, Rangiwaia, used to be heaps of scallops. Used to go there and get a feed of scallops, nothing there now. And it used to be a uh, a lot of horse muscles, and you even struggle to get those now. And that's a, a staple diet of the people of Matakana, the mm. Kukuroroa. And I've dived all along here, right through, right down to the entrance from here, Omokoro. We used to go up this end here, the same thing, and the kais just disappeared. Komatua Enokart Rolleston lives on Matakana Island, so I take the 25-minute barge ride from Omukurua to go and visit him. Enoka is well-versed in the history of this island, and in particular the various shellfish and kaimwana that was plentiful back in his time. It still is, to some extent today. But what about crayfish? Yeah, well, we never ha- had much of it here, um... It because most of it was out more to hua. you know. If you didn't have boats to get out there, then you know, because we had nothing around the island here, it was all over at Motuhua. So we never ate a lot of it unless our Ngati Poro whānau came this way, you know. That's really the only so we never really had a lot of crayfish on our tables. Most of the stuff on our, our tables was you know, kuku, kukuroro or uriroa, horse mussels, yeah, horse mussels, then. Tupa, because out, out here a lot of tupa, you see. And we used to have that on our tables. Menga kukutai used to go right to Panipan and get all of those, because they were the, the ones, the sand, the sand ones, eh? Mm. Uh, Oumomokai, oysters. Nga no. mea, tio, tio te, te toka kei raro, ne? Mm. Yeah. So when you do get a, a crayfish, it's either from your manuhiri or you go over or you order online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, order online. <laughs> but uh, we used to get some, of course, because our, our, our base uh, to hop on our boat when we never had the barge was down by Bobby's shop that's called the Fisherman's Wharf. And sometimes we catch crayfish boats there and we get a crayfish from them. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Kia Maya, she's doing a study to talk about the the climate change and how it's impacted Alcoda, but really growing up here on Temotere wasn't really a, a, a delicacy or a kind one. No, wasn't really. You know, it was as I said, it wasn't a staple for us. You know, but all those other things were, and it was only if someone bought it. Tina Kui, Inoka, Rolleston.
Kia Maya Ellis has worked in the environment space for many years. Now, in that time, she has coordinated biosecurity workshops to address the myrtle rust on Mount Maunganui. She's worked with Year 10 students from local colleges to encourage careers in science and spearheaded many Māori and iwi-led environment and maritime wānanga. Kia Maya grew up in Matapihi along the Waipu Bay Peninsula and her whānau want her to address their own local pātaka kai issues. Makau Matua want me to fix the tentacle problem as well, <laughs> but I've got to focus on one thing at a yes, time. Yes, of course you do. And Waipu is special to my heart. I remember as a little kid that was my playground and there were thousands of tentacle. I don't see that today. Back at the Waikato University Coastal Marine Field Station at Sulphur Point, Kia Maya runs through the paperwork and their regular observations. Feeding happily, pipe prey fed happily, very active, bottom prey hungry, pipe prey playing with the bubbler, that's the oxygen <laughs> feeder there. How cute. What are you writing down there, Kia Maya? I just um, wrote down that these big ones are very quiet today <laughs> and the little ones are, are more active. That one there usually runs out when he smells food. Sure, yeah, he's having a bad day. Okay. <laughs> Been there, yes, well, we all have experienced a bad day. <laughs> Once we have the full suite of tanks set up, there's going to be a, a wall of 50 tanks so that we have enough um, data informing each experiment. I'm hoping to have up to 150 babies in these tanks to monitor all of these different experiments so that we have enough information to be validated, I guess. Yeah. And with up to 150 PP coda, the concern is about the future. Legislation currently prohibits us from applying this kaitiakitanga approach to release them back to wild. So if you've growing something in the aquaculture tank you're prohibited to, from releasing it back to the wild so we, we're going to provide some recommendations around policy that would enable us to do that safely so that there's no disease or additives added to the environment so the main reason is because of the possibility of introducing disease to the wild yeah, but right. we are able to test that to make sure that they're clear of any disease or infection before release. So we're hoping to be able to grow these and put them back to where they come from at the end of the day. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. And what, what's the issue with that, KMI, just purely for safety reasons? Uh, in reality, we can do it safely, yeah. but legislation prevents us from doing it. So we want to be able to influence legislation and policy. Kia Maya's PhD research project about the resilience of PP Koda in the Tauranga Harbour is inspired by the aspirations of Tauranga Moana Iwi, who have, according to Alice, observed the degradation of Taonga marine species over many generations. So in order to be a part of the solution, it's going to take a bit of time. The PhD finishes in two years and the Pipikoto still won't be big enough to release. So postdoc study and making sure that we can actually fulfil the end goal, which is to release them back to the wild. Kia ora, Kia Maya Ellis. Nona iwi o Tauranga Moana. 
And we also heard from Kaumatua Inuka Rolleston and Takehu Butler. Big thanks to Tauranga-based RNZ producer Justine Murray, who produced this story. Sound engineering was by Phil Benj. You can find and follow Our Changing World on your favourite podcast platform, or check out the show's website at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. You'll find photos and links related to the story, as well as our extensive back catalogue of episodes. If you enjoyed this episode with Justine, I can highly recommend Te Ahika, which Justine has produced in the past. It reflects the diversity of Māori in past, present and future. And you can find Te Ahika under the Podcast and Series tab on the RNZ website. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Claire Kincannon. Kia pai tō wiki. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.